Welcome back to another episode of My Old Kentucky Lungs. My name is Kyle Mahan, and today I'm going to be joined by Patty Gilpin. So let's get this started. So welcome back to another episode of My Old Kentucky Lungs. I'm Kyle Mahan, and on this episode, uh, we are joined by Patty Gilpin. How are you doing? I'm good, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm on summer break. Oh, uh, lucky. And you came straight from work. I did. I came straight from work a little late. I yeah. apologize. Yeah. But uh, a rapid response going on. I don't Oldest get to take care excuse of that. in the book. <laughs> if any RT ever wants to be late for something, post yeah. work, oh, I'm, I, it was a rapid right, response. Yeah. You oh. can't question that. Yeah. It just ends there. You can't, yeah, you can't be like, that's not an excuse. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you save, save a, life. a life or something, right? right? so uh but definitely appreciate you uh taking time to come out and talk um so first off where are you from i am a native louisvillian yes been born and raised cards or cats oh please cardinals (laughs) cardinals all the way cardinals all the way a little tough couple years but we'll be all right yeah i live maybe a mile from papa john's and i can hear the fireworks yeah you know ghost talons Touchdowns. Cards first down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ain't good for another. Yeah. <laughs> you do hear it. <laughs> um, so you're from Louisville. Um, where did you go to school for respiratory? I went to JCC. Oh, yes, okay. or yeah. I'm sorry, I call it JCC. JCTC is the correct term now. Right. Uh, as I travel around hospitals, I mean, half the city, I would say probably, or a little less than half is probably J- Jefferson alum. Oh, really? everyone's still nice. JCC. Yeah. JCTC. What, what's that? Like, <laughs> we yeah. were actually under UK then. Yeah. Your yeah. degree. Our degree was, a, was. Mm-hmm. UK degree. Yes, yeah. it was. Which yeah. is yeah, ironic. Not anymore. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got out just in time. How <laughs> <laughs> sad. I got a UK degree. That's nice. That's a good poetic justice. Yeah. UK right. is able to, uh, to, to put on the city. <laughs> um, so you graduated from Jefferson, uh, JCC, mm-hmm. the respiratory program. Uh, so what was the early years of your career like? I uh, graduated in 2002 and I was working as a, a respiratory student already cleaning equipment and such. Um, then I stayed at that hospital, um, transferred to a more rural hospital in uh, Baptist LaGrange, Really liked it there. Um, and then I made my home at Norton Women and Children's, which was suburban at the time. Yeah. Um, in 2006. So I did um, just basic, you know, basic therapy. I learned ICU uh, floor therapy, did a few peds here and there, not very often. So, yeah, basic stuff. My dog is. Here, Ari. She got Ari's wanting some love. She got real energetic <laughs> right when you started talking. I know. It's usually yeah. with me though. Now she's bothering Kyle. Yeah. So now you, so you had a, which I like, a well-rounded exposure to different hospitals. Like I really did. Small yeah. hospital, mm-hmm. and then you went to a large. Yeah, uh, I didn't. Hospital. I think we talked about trauma. I didn't yeah. get to really do a trauma hospital as far as working. I yeah. did in clinicals, but um, yeah, I I loved the, you know the difference, the bigger and the yeah. smaller. That was cool. Yeah. I, I liked the smaller, liked all the hats I wore, and yeah. 
uh, the friends I made, family. I try there. to tell students that, you know, just because it's a small, you know, tertiary hospital doesn't yeah. mean that you're not going to do anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to do a lot more. So many great things. Yeah. You do more. You know, yeah, you, you uh, do. I, one of the hospitals I worked at early on in my career was probably 200-ish bed mm-hmm. uh, heart hospital. And respiratory put in all the A-lines, respiratory put in power picks, mm-hmm. central lines at the mm-hmm. bedside. Wow. Yeah. So they got cross-trained. Yeah. You know, whereas in a big hospital, you know, they can afford, you know, or they, they have the the capacity for a larger you know, right. labor force. But right. Respiratory, our job function is still <laughs> evolving <laughs> it like, is. as we speak, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And very different in different areas different. of the country, yes. different hospitals. I yeah. was a traveler uh, early on. So you've yeah, seen so that. you can yeah. kind of see what equipment's being used and just mm-hmm. how respiratory's role varies, mm-hmm. you know, from state to state. Oh, yeah. And so at some point you have landed your current role. What is your current position? I am the respiratory protocol therapist. Okay. So I see every patient that's on therapy, nebulized therapy on a schedule, Q4, QID, whatever. And I assess them and then I can decrease their treatments. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, so I have a policy to back me up to do that. <laughs> <laughs> was was it a challenge for your hospital in getting that? No. Norton, Norton has an established protocol therapist at each hospital. Yeah. Um, just recently, I'm, I think I'm right about this, um, Children's just had a protocol therapist, which they needed with their yeah. Q2 treatments. Yeah. No. So, um, but children's are usually, children are usually hands off on the protocol, yeah. as, as you can imagine, and, and ICU patients. But uh, regular floor therapy, yeah, that's what we do. So every Norton facility has a protocol therapist. So a patient gets admitted, COPD exacerbation or mm-hmm. sprained ankle. Uh, they <laughs> <laughs> more of the latter, <laughs> more probably, of the latter. with a Q4 uh, treatment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or a, I, my favorite is uh, the admitting diagnosis for somebody who gets admitted straight to the floor, acute hypoxic respiratory distress. Oh, yeah, that's a yeah. big one, yeah. And it, yeah, like, wow, They're that room sounds air, really bad. Room air, 96%. Yeah. No history of anything. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, so, yes, having someone like you definitely yeah. to help kind of uh, It's so house. important. Yeah, I think it's really, it, it saves money. It, it, the reason, it saves money by oh, yeah. decreasing the treatments, decreases the need for so much staff. Yeah. So many therapists. So, you is know, the, you can budget people and stuff. Is the protocol that you have at Women and Children's the same as your other yes. uh, sister facilities? Okay. Yes. So you all have the same. We do. And we operated with one certain protocol for many, many years. And then recently, uh, we used to have to wait um, 24 hours to change a Q4 okay. and 48 to change a QID. Now we have a new uh, policy with a little more teeth to it that we can change um, the next day, anything. Or as soon as I assess them, I can change them. Yeah. Um, it goes into the notes section of the EMR and looks very professional. I was just <laughs> say, I'm so impressed with how it looks. It looks like a doctor's note. And I'm like, yeah. Ah, yeah, my name's on there. Yeah, I remember paper charting, and I really felt like I think I felt like I put more time mm-hmm. and 
volume of notes mm-hmm. than now with the computer chart. I bet, yeah. As great as computer charting is, mm-hmm. and you know, you just pick certain, you know, yeah. drop down boxes. It's difficult to be able to articulate mm-hmm. computer. It is what your experience yeah. is, and Whereas some people just aren't the progress kind of, notes. You could sit there and just kind of yeah. I I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, uh, paper charting while mm-hmm. it existed. Yeah, yeah, I did too. And I, I actually, when I started this job, it was paper charting. Yeah, so that was um, gosh, yeah, probably for think, a few years. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, and it made it a little bit more time consuming. Now it's a piece of cake. It's on the computer. So were you there when, were you at the hospital when this position existed? Or yes, was, was there created? were two, two people. It was since 2006 when I started, two people had the position yeah. before I did. Was the impact noticeable almost right away? With Because beforehand you guys didn't have a, pro, I'm assuming. Well, I wasn't there guys, when they, I'm sorry, I okay. wasn't there when they didn't have one. So okay. I didn't know what, I don't know what it's like to yeah. work without one, at least at this hospital. Yeah. Um, I think the impact I make is, is, is very noticeable. Yeah. I really do. How so? But, um, Brag on yourself. Oh, no, I don't mean it that way. Yeah, no. But I mean, um, I, I kind of assess the count at the beginning of the shift. And oh, then, okay. yeah, kind of it's see. a personal. Yeah. Um, challenge to me to like, I mean, you got to use your best judgment, of course, but like yeah. it's, if one area of the hospital has 50 something treatments on that floor, something's, something's like crazy going on there, you know, and it was 25 uh, yesterday. Right. So I go on and I'll concentrate on that floor and try to see like, okay, who, who's has a stub toe and is getting Q4 albuterol. So I can change that. And I look at x-rays. I look at doctor's notes. I don't just arbitrarily. I I mean, I'm, and I'm quite conservative in my protocoling. I'm not, I'm I'm very conservative with it actually, but it makes a difference. I mean, the count will go down. Uh, We're we're able to budget at, at midday, you know, two o'clock, something like that. So. Yeah, having been a traveler, been at different hospitals here and there, I don't know if I ever had to go back to bedside. If I could pick a hospital, Mm -hmm. it's going to be one with a robust therapy-driven protocol. Oh, definitely. Why aren't they in place everywhere? (laughs) Which I know it's hard as a floor therapist with everything you have to do. Not even that, but the buy-in. I would imagine the Mm buy-in from the medical director and just... yeah. The pharmacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many hands at play. There are. And I think a lot of times maybe just most people don't think about, mm-hmm. uh, why don't we do this? Well, right. you've got to have this. this right. This. I mean, so even as far down to the, the, the pharmacy, you know, down mm-hmm. in the basement, they have to have a say as well in they making do. sure that yeah. uh, everything is. And they will call. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they will call me. They will ask yeah. for me by name. Like, uh, Did yeah. you do this? I, I went yeah. to uh, one hospital, and after about two, three weeks being there, I got asked, uh, why do you keep changing? I, patients were on Spiriva and and doing and it. Doing yeah. it. And so I was just, I was going around. Just, yeah, that's what I do. Just, I was getting rid. Uh, I yeah. was just protocoling. I was like, because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. But the hospital didn't have a, a, a protocol. A yeah. yeah. And so there was a couple of doctors who had reached out to the mm-hmm. manager, like, why are you guys doing this? Yeah. Is this a new thing? Which is a shame. <laughs> you know, we should have more uh, leeway to do those things. We're professionals. Yeah. You know, yeah. we know that this stuff. Yeah. And, it, and there's so many, so much research out there now. Yeah. Respiratory care journals just showing that any sort of oh, protocol yeah. Yeah. with the respiratory uh 
assessment mm-hmm. has just nothing but really good, oh, good yeah. effects. They can only have yeah. good good effects. Re- reduction yeah. in cost, mm-hmm. emission, I mean, just everything. Right, yeah. unneeded drugs, you know, Un- yeah. Yeah, just that in and of itself, you know, let's drive up the cost of healthcare by prescribing everything for this patient. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So with your job, I guess our industry would call it a non-traditional role. Definitely. I would say yeah. in the last half decade, that's become a popular mm-hmm. uh, buzzword. A lot of, as education advances, as our profession progresses, mm-hmm. um, we're seeing a lot of, you know, respiratory therapists wanted to branch out, do different things. Yeah, and so, I'm all for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with your, with your position, what... Do you think you did early on to set yourself up to be able to uh, get this position that mm-hmm. you have? Uh, as a protocol therapist? Yes. Nothing. <laughs> I was, I, you know, I applied for the job when it came up, not really knowing what, uh, I knew what the job was. And uh, so you, know, you, went, let's you be, went into respiratory therapy, not uh, knowing, knowing what, what I was respiratory therapy was. And then you applied for a job, <laughs> not knowing what the job was. Are you getting a lesson from this, Kyle? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it helps to just fly by the seat of your pants. <laughs> there we go. All right. I'm just going to start telling my students, don't plan. Don't plan anything. Don't plan anything. No. Just <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't. I don't. But honestly, I just applied for the job because of the, a, yeah. an appealing part of the job is it's Monday through Friday. Let's okay. be honest. I mean, yeah. a lot of therapists are like, um, I mean, I know they get a lot of time off after three days. Yeah. Of 12s, but um, Monday through Friday's nice. There's no, uh, so that was kind of appealing too. And plus, yeah. I'd like the work. I have a, I, well, I like to think a good work ethic. So I knew I would do a good job at this, you yeah. know, them trusting me with this. And you had been there for, I had been there for several years. Okay. Uh, yeah, many years. And so when I took it, I didn't really know what to expect, but, um, I insisted on training with not only the the person's place who I took, but I went to another hospital and I asked how they did it. And then I went to another hospital and asked oh, how they did nice. it. So I went to each Norton facility. I insisted on seeing everybody's way of yeah. how they did it before I developed my own way. I want to get the best of every world, you know. Um, that helped a lot. And then I, you know, I develop my own style of doing it. And I, I think mine's pretty efficient. I get to some, sometimes, you know, some people will only see a few patients. Like my predecessor only saw a few patients a day or one floor. I try to hit at least, let's see, I have one, I have about five floors to see. And I try to hit at least three of them full force if I can, you know, that's on a good day. So, um, I try. <laughs> yeah. I, did I think probably also too one of the reasons maybe that you succeed in that position is there's a lot of people who look at floor therapy as lesser, oh, unimportant. Yeah. Big pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Big pet peeve. I, I enjoy the floors. I mean, I, I yeah. always I always liked ICUs, of course, and I do mm-hmm. like that uh, adrenaline. But I even and I say to my students as well when you're on the floors you're an investigator mm-hmm. you have to go through all these patients who maybe have warranted unwarranted therapy mm-hmm. but you need to find that one or two patients and keep them out of the ICU. exactly so your job yeah. that first Very round important. yeah your job that first round is to go out there because the nurses are overworked mm-hmm. you know they got six seven eight 
patients mm-hmm. on a floor. Mm-hmm. Two of them are crawling out of bed. The other one's <laughs> throwing Screaming and, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff across the room. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's uh, respiratory's job is to go and just clean house. Right. Dig deep, find yeah. those problem patients. I, li- I like to hear that because yeah. I, floor therapy is incredibly important. And yeah. um, I know people want the flash of ICU, the yeah. excitement of ER, um, but floor therapy to be a good floor therapist is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. I mean, you, that's where you hone your, you hone your skills, skills your yeah. assessment skills, and you prevent disasters from happening. You can, and, and you get to know these people, you know, there's nothing like yep. that. Uh, just spending time with your patients. They're, they're incredible. So, yeah. I mean, there's always some bad ones in the bunch, but for the most part, I mean, they're super enjoyable and they, they like to see us, you know, if there is a, hospital that doesn't have you know a a good respiratory protocol or therapy driven protocol mm-hmm. for nebs or inhalers or anything um what recommendations or what advice would you have if they're interested in creating one? Oh wow i think uh, call you and, and email them the <laughs> protocol <laughs> yes i need to start my own company yeah. no <laughs> um you know, that's one thing I'm really proud of, of Norton is doing, is having this, because, you know, not many people have it. But I think it's a great program. The AARC promotes protocols, and I yeah. think they're a great source oh, of, um, of respiratory-driven po- protocols, especially, yeah. and I don't work in the ICU, but especially in the ICU. I don't know if that's a, do most ICUs have protocols for RT? I mean, I could I, see us doing so much. I, I mean, I've worked at places that have good, like, I've worked at places that had, like, standing blood gas orders. Mm-hmm. If, if therapist deems that, you know, if if SATs are this, if, you know, if the, FIO2 is right. this, if these you are tie, these and you feel the need you for react. one, you can get it. Yeah. Uh, I've worked at some other places that had great uh, weaning protocols mm-hmm. where... Two out of the three, so the respiratory therapist, the patient's nurse, and the charge nurse, two out of the three need to, needed to agree yeah. that the patient was okay yeah, to be extubated. Yeah, I think we had those, yeah. Yeah, and so there were some really great mm-hmm. protocols in that area. There are probably more ICU protocols than floor therapy protocols. I worked at one place <laughs> where we had a protocol for respiratory to put in the A-lines, but there was actually no protocol to draw blood gases <laughs> off the A-lines. Oh, wow. So we could, we could put it you in the patient. You could put it in the line, but not Yeah, we could put it in the patient, benefit. but we were technically... <laughs> And it, I mean, and let's be honest, we drew off them all the time, but yeah. there really was not a formal procedure wow. uh, saying because the protocol to put in the A-lines happened after. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of, it's funny. just kind of one of those, you know, yeah. things where technically we're not allowed to, but, mm-hmm, but uh, we have to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely think that respiratory therapists should, should maybe step up if they don't know about this. Uh, yeah. someone in the department, you know, should consider it yeah. as a cost-saving measure. As a, the, I guess the hard thing is employing a separate therapist to do it. I mean, in a perfect world, you could have your therapist do it as they treat, but that's, that's hard. Yeah. Um, that's very hard, especially when you have doctors that aren't on board with doing it. I mean, I worked at a hospital where we had to have an order to titrate oxygen. Yeah. So it depends on how how much your doctors are leeway they're giving the therapist to do these things. I haven't gotten any very few reversals of my protocol. Um, No complaints about it that I know of. 
Um, so yeah, you have to, you have to have doctors buy into it. Yeah. So that is the big, yeah, that is the big thing. Don't we Ari? <laughs> Ari's in Kyle's dog's in love with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, there was one hospital I mean, that I had started working at right after the pro- their protocol, their therapy-driven protocol went into place. And in order to do that, they did a trial where they did a protocol on 500 patients. Mm-hmm. And the physicians, there's a couple of physicians, I think medical director and then maybe someone else, came behind to see if they agreed mm-hmm. with respiratory and i think it was 500 uh patients that they did and i think it was like four that the doctors had a problem oh, wow with. really yeah that's good so i mean they were just like yeah clearly you know on board we're not just right changing everybody yeah. to, you know we're not just making everybody qa right uh because we don't want to see them exactly <laughs> i know that's what you have to be careful yeah. of and i'm sure that's a fear yeah, of some I departments. Think, it's like, oh, we can decrease our treatments. Well, no, you you do it. Yeah. You, you know, I look at x-rays. I look at doctor's notes. Um, I assess the patient myself most times. And uh, there are some therapists that can, are totally great at it that I yeah. can talk to. Um, but most of the time, mine is a hands-on, like, I know they're okay. There are others that would be okay, but psychologically they want that treatment and they're oh, going to yeah. call you for that treatment. I mean, so I don't touch those yeah. because I believe that, and, and you know, I guess you could dispute that a little bit, but I mean, it's a drug. It's yeah, they're, exactly. They're, they're yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, if they're nervous and anxious, yeah. um, sometimes that's what they need for a little while. So yeah, it's completely psychogenic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with your job, are the therapists there? Enable to do the protocol, or do they have to reach out to you? Um, they if they can, have a patient that's clear, ninety-eight percent room air, have never done a treatment in their life. I mean, they're clearly there's no indication right. for. It. Do they? They have come the power? to me. They just say hey. they come to me. I think, I believe the policy says that the protocol therapist will do it. Okay. Um, there are we. I have a supervisor that does it. On, uh, I'm not there on the weekends. Yeah. So she does it on the weekends. Um, but it's usually like she'll have. ER and two floors so she can maybe only do it on a few people. Yeah. So it's not like she has the time to see, you know, every per or to think about every person. But if there's one clearly on her radar that does not need these treatments, they'll change it. I find that the ones that do it themselves, there's not very many, but the ones that do, it's those kind of situations. Like I'm, I've got 50 treatments and Two of them are clear and they're not here for respiratory issues. There's no pulmonologist involved. So they do it. Um, But there's not very many that do that. Otherwise, like during the week, they'll come to me and say, you know, this is so-and-so just hates her treatments or is refusing everything. And I'll either change them after going over it pretty thoroughly or I'll go and talk to Mrs. So-and-so and and see (laughs) what the deal is. (laughs) So. So you went to the community college, respiratory, uh, worked at small hospitals, big hospitals, mm-hmm. uh, and then you finally ended up uh, in a position where you're uh, a respiratory assessor, where you're doing the protocols and stuff. Mm-hmm. What advice 
would you, if you had a classroom full of students just about to graduate or just graduated, what kind of advice would you give them mm-hmm. early on at the very beginning of their career? As they're about to graduate and graduate into their, the workforce. Yep. Yeah. Um, my first advice is, of course, you never know every person's situation, but if they're able, and most people can, go, if it's an associate's degree, go on and get your bachelor's degree um, at some point. You know, yeah. have that on your radar right. to do, right. uh, pursue your education, at least to a bachelor's degree level. Um, I think the field is heading that way to honor right. the bachelor's degree. Um, as entry level, as entry yeah. level. Yeah. At some point, if it happens right. in our, in the next decade, 10, exactly. 10, 20, 30, yeah, or it's, it's going to be there. Look at the years you have left to work and say, well, okay, that would be an investment that I could, you know, yeah. worth making. Even, uh, I mean, if a student or anybody that decides to go back and get a bachelor's, if you're working at nor if you're working at any hospital, mm-hmm. the system is going to pay for they are a, a good a portion. And if you're not in a rush, they'll pay for the whole thing. They will. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. even there, that's right. So look into that. Look into yeah. ways you can it's do not that. Cost prohibitive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's important. It's really important. Um, another thing is to. When you graduate and you get into the hospital where you're working or the couple of hospitals, uh, be brave. Take every area you can. Learn every area you can. Don't be afraid of ICU. Don't be afraid of NICU. Um, Get out there and learn. Learn, learn, learn. Uh, Be humble. Um, Be ready to take advice. Be ready to mess up and be ready to learn. You know, that's how how you learn. You make mistakes and you learn and you go on and... You have stories to tell later to Kyle when he asked you to come on to the. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, there's nothing like that. So just take every opportunity to learn uh, each area, and also get involved. Uh, volunteer, you know, be a part, right. uh, promote your profession, right. be proud of it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I agree with mm-hmm. every everything that you've uh, said there. Um, I know a lot of times it can be intimidating. Uh, you're going to orient to the burn unit. You're no, going to orient terrifying. to uh, yeah. surgical ICU, wherever. Mm-hmm. And so I, we're, the hospital, they're, they're not going to put you in a position to fail. Right. You or know, you'll hopefully. have support. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'll have support. I, I remember I'm so scared working at Q. I mean, literally just saying prayers before I went into work that morning. Like, please get me through this day. Please let all the babies live. Please, everything. It's just like, uh, you know, it's terrifying, but you, it's so satisfying when you, you know, both the, to know that you've taken care of a patient and also to know that you've conquered that fear, you know, yeah. that, hey, I can do this. And yeah, um, it just makes you a better therapist. And I teach at the community college level. So we're conferring associate's degrees, uh, not baccalaureates. And students, you know, after, you know, they've done a year of gen ed prereqs. Mm-hmm. And then it's two years of the program. So, I mean, they've been going to school for at least three years. I mean, there are some students who have been enrolled at some capacity for nine years. Yeah, I have that be... Nursing, automotive. <laughs> I mean, they've bounced around. And yeah. then, you know, after nine years, you know, they're getting an associate's degree. Yeah. Which, celebrate that. That is a huge achievement. Um, but there's still that, uh, but do I need a bachelor's degree? Right. I've been telling my students, let the hospital pick up the vast majority of the bill mm-hmm. 
don't be in a hurry because when you are five, 10 years down the road mm-hmm. and Patty Gilpin's position comes up because mm-hmm. she's going to be the country captain for the <laughs> COPD foundation. All right. But, Did you hear that COPD foundation? <laughs> but when, but when these roles, when these awesome job opportunities mm-hmm. come up and the manager and director are asking for someone who's registered right. with a bachelor's degree right, and you're perfect. Yeah. You're perfect for that job, right? But you don't have right that academic and, credential, so yeah. you're not being looked at exactly. And I think if you look at your, you know, if you're an RT and you look at that right now, how many years left do I have? Do I want yeah. to do something different, or do I want to be able to change companies, or do I want to, you know, those things will hold you back. When I became protocol therapists, they wanted, I got the job because I was an RRT mm-hmm. out of the other and applicants. Then you have education wise. Um, I have a bachelor's degree, but at the time I had an associate's degree, but I was registered. So that's why I got that position. I'm pretty sure because there was another candidate for the position that made more sense simply because she was older, um, had worked pulmonary rehab and it just, it's a good job for somebody that doesn't have to be on their feet all the time as an older therapist. So she would have made more sense and because she was completely qualified for it. But, um, she didn't have her RRT. Mm. And at the time, our manager at the time was leaning toward that. And that was just a sign of things to come. Yeah. They are very much leaning toward that now. And not, I'm yeah. just not talking my, you know, it's, company. It's everywhere. Yeah. So, um, it's really something to consider it for your livelihood to continue the education. And, and yeah. myself, I graduated in 2002, like I said, and I graduated with my bachelor's in 2015. So it can be done. (laughs) What is your bachelor's degree? It is in general studies with a concentration in human services. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to, uh, I actually want to impact the community with my respiratory therapy. So, And that's the big question that I think a lot of people have is, okay, a bachelor's degree, what kind of bachelor's degree? And there is bachelor's in science and respiratory care, Mm -hmm. bachelor's in health science with a focus in respiratory. But I think a lot of people are, well, if I'm going to go back, do I want to go back for, you know, a respiratory degree Mm -hmm. or healthcare administration and Mm -hmm. stuff? And personally, I would say, my own personal, this is just me, my Mm -hmm. own opinion. (laughs) I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody. Disclaimer. Uh, Disclosure. Disclosure. Um, if you are wanting to be the hospital administrator, if you're wanting to be a director, if you're wanting to be the budget, the hiring, the personnel, right. the leader on that side, then maybe healthcare administration is mm-hmm. great because you're going to learn how to balance a budget. You're going to learn about, you know, the politics right. of healthcare. Yeah. If you're wanting to be that advanced practitioner, the nitty gritty, you know, getting in, in there, protocols yeah. and mm-hmm. ICU and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. then a bachelor's in respiratory therapy right. uh, might serve you better because you just want to be an advanced, you want to be that advanced clinician, that, mm-hmm. that, that leader in that capacity. Right. So if you're I, thinking about either one, I, you know. And I'm thinking, I attended in 2017 the COPD-10 conference, which oh, was yeah. in Chicago. It was amazing. And I, you really don't know how many people with respiratory, advanced respiratory degrees are out there Doing amazing things. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're out there and you we don't see them here sometimes. But if you go to a conference like that, if you attend these things. It's impressive. To, oh, it's just mind boggling. Yeah. And the, the, what they know and what they influence, the studies they do that lead to 
you know, medications or different protocols or whatever. Um, it, it's out there. We, we are out there. And the, with our right. advanced degrees, it just, you have to kind of look <laughs> right. and be open to that. Yeah. You know? But I think, and going, kind of touching back on what you said earlier about being registered, I think that, like you said, it's not just exclusive to your yeah. facility. No. That is, as far as Kentucky goes, mm-hmm. I think it's the big cities mm-hmm. are starting to do that. And right. We're going to start seeing, and there's some small facilities as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Western Kentucky, I know there's a couple of mid-sized towns who yeah. their their facilities are saying, no, we want registered. Yeah. And um, I understand that. It's yeah. hard. It's hard for the older CRTs to understand that. I mean, they've yeah. passed the test taking stage and I, I completely understand that. But um, it's the future. It's yeah. what it is. Um, needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Still a young profession. We really are. <laughs> really, <laughs> Looking we are at still it, we a, are. Uh, a young, still kind of uh, the growing pains. Yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, all right. So those that are just graduated, you know, get registered, go back to school, volunteer. Those are kind of the bullet points that you provided. Learn all the areas. Learn all the areas. What about, what advice do you have for, that might be some of the same advice, uh, for those that are, uh, you know, a decade or five, right. 10, 15 years. And I had the same thing after about 10 years. I just kind of going, is this it? Is this, mm-hmm. I've done everything but flight. Mm-hmm. Um, I've traveled, I've done this, I'm bored. Right. What advice do so you have? So you know firsthand. Yeah, and so like. maybe someone who is saying, I do not want to be a staff therapist, mm-hmm. the 312s. Right. Um, I want to do something more non-traditional. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for, mm-hmm. for those people? Um, I think, what was the first part you said about the... Those, you know, those that are established in their career who may be mm-hmm. just a little discontent after a decade or right yeah. i think uh, the, oh okay now they sit there and they see yeah. oh patty gilpin state <laughs> captain <laughs> would you stop the, the that? <laughs> i like that job oh i like the idea of uh-huh, which is volunteer yeah or i like the idea of, of being a clinical educator i like the idea yeah. of being a copd educator i like yeah. the idea uh, what advice do you have mm-hmm. someone who might be looking at potentially doing yeah. something like that? I think what I was thinking was with it, you had said uh, that you've done everything. And I think oh, yeah. there comes a point in every therapist that have done everything, that they're really gung-ho and I want to do everything. You're going to reach a point yeah. where you go, well, <laughs> okay, what else is there? Yeah, I'm kind of bored. I've mastered this. I've mastered that. I'm great at this. Um you do reach that point. And, and I see it sometimes in our therapists, you know, that are just wonderful therapists, but they, you know, it wears on them. So you have to dig deep and find something else. You, you have to find a committee, you know, that I did that. I, I work on a hospital committee. Oh my gosh. I was on, I, at one time I was on five different committees. So, um, and some of them are just boring and some are incredibly uh, satisfying, you know, the yeah. COPD readmission committee was, was wonderful to me, the people I met and the impact we had. So, um, yeah, I mean, we actually reduce, reduce COPD readmissions quite a bit, uh, the, the best in our system, I think. So, um, explore those opportunities. They're yeah. there. Yeah. They're there. Read your, go online to your, companies whatever newsletter or whatever they put out that what's going on they're there call ask your manager yeah. um 
those opportunities are there. If they're not at your hospital, which would be surprising if they're not. Right. Either if you're really gung-ho, start it. Right. Start a Better Breathers Club. Start a Harmonicas for Health uh, program. Start a, which is what I'm trying to look into, all those things. But um, <laughs> start or be involved in those. Um, if you're not like that, then look into the community. Yeah. You know, volunteer for the American Lung Association. Um, and you might, I don't know if you agree with me or not, um, and I'm sure some listening would disagree with me for sure, but I think for the most part, I would say we make, we make okay money. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the discontent that I think a lot of people have is not so much that they don't get paid. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, everyone wants to make more money, yeah. but I think it goes back to that job satisfaction. Right. And I think I'm totally going to butcher the quote, but you know, you find yourself in the service of others. Definitely. And so even, even if you aren't going to make more money, but if you go sit on the code team committee, mm-hmm. which meets once a month, exactly. You're involved. You have mm-hmm. a seat at the table, uh, uh, your job satisfaction, your happiness goes up just a little bit. Yeah. And then, Oh, we're shopping new BiPAPs. Well, I would like to be a part of that. Exactly. Now it goes up. Now you, I, I think yeah. yes. it does. I think it does. It, it's like uh, things that you don't expect. Yeah. Um, you will find satisfaction in those. You, you just have to extend yourself. Um, I was on a skincare committee and I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, why am I on the skincare committee? And I sat there month after month going, oh, nothing came up that was important. It was, yeah. you know, uh, pertained to me until BiPAP masks. You know, and then it was like, well, we don't, well, we want to prevent the br- breakdown we, yeah. of the, so that's why the Carolite is used yeah. now under the BiPAP mask. So it's there, you know, there's a void. You have to be patient and you have to, you know, want to, want to be that voice of our profession in every aspect. We, we have a, we have a voice in most committees. I mean, think about it. We do. We, we're there. Yeah. We're there at the bedside with the nurse, with the doctor on you know on these patients and there's there's a place for our voice to be heard yeah yeah and that kind of makes me think of uh going back to serving on the ksrc um making decisions that kind of have an impact on the state Mm -hmm. you're part of a committee you're i mean the 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 power not power but just the yeah, the, the voice, the maybe. influence yeah. and the voice you have on the decisions being made that mm-hmm. directly impact your livelihood. Mm-hmm. You would think a lot of people would, would want to do that. <laughs> I know. I do that when I talk about yeah. AARC yeah. memberships. I'm I mean, like, are you a friends, member of the AARC? Yeah. Most people are not. My best friends are respiratory therapists. Um, and, and I mean, just traveling around the hospital, hospital, but you get this. Everyone has an opinion. Mm-hmm. Respiratory therapists are not short on opinions. We have opinions, <laughs> right? But it's most definitely. Yeah, it get involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're over here. You know, I mean, uh, we have delegates that go to committees, and motions are being made on how we practice our jobs, and they're reaching out to people on Facebook or Twitter or mm-hmm. wherever. Hey, this motion came up. I want your input. Mm-hmm. And nine people. To say something, oh, and it's yeah. <laughs> over <laughs> RRT credentialing, over education standards, the stuff I mean, that directly really, affects you and your money yeah. and your job and yeah. your yeah. Exactly. So uh, it's yeah, and so uh, it, having you, uh, you know, 
is definitely appreciated on the KSRC and oh, and COPD Foundation mm-hmm. and uh, pushing yeah, for RT navigator. Yeah, pushing so. for RT navigator. Mm-hmm. But I will say, as far as discharge planners, respiratory therapists, and mm-hmm. the hospitals that have implemented that, mm-hmm. uh, the, the outcomes have been. Very successful. Very successful. Yeah, very much. And yeah. why why wouldn't it be? Honestly, yeah. it's another voice. Another a, voice. Yeah. Uh, with a being able to make sure there was a study done. I think it was either Cleveland Clinic or Mayo Clinic. It was just last spring that it was published, but it just it showed that when a it's a res, when a respiratory therapist reaches out to a patient. One day, seven days, thirty days post discharge, mm-hmm. readmission rates drop. They did, and yeah, compared they do. to nursing, compared to uh, a hospital rep, compared to a physician, mm-hmm. but when a respiratory therapist, right? Because if you out, think about, we're reaching out for one area. A nurse yeah. will have to cover diabetes, CHF. Yeah. Um, you know, they they've got so much on their plate. Yeah. So we are only a positive addition when. When our um, COPD readmission was in full swing in 2015, I, I did those calls. I called uh, seven days, oh, nice. 15 days, and 30 days. Have you followed up with your primary? Yes. Have you done All this? those things. Yeah. And it's not that those things weren't being done. They were being done. But if you get a call from, from your RT, from your, oh my gosh, yeah. And it just kind of goes to show that even if therapists feel like they're not valued, assets in the hospital mm-hmm. the patients they remember see us. us yes as they see us uh, three authority. four times we a day the, we yeah. are the we are the lung people i exactly. mean we are the experts and so oh wow they called oh yeah i, I should follow right doctor. yeah and so i think um yeah it's a no hospitals mm-hmm. incorporating respiratory yeah. in those kinds of things mm-hmm. uh that is a very affordable that is a very cheap <laughs> right it is and it's a huge you know you know the readmissions are a huge yeah cost. and if if a respiratory therapist can prevent three people from getting readmitted over the course of a year that mm-hmm. paid their salary exactly yeah and so imagine what you could do with mm-hmm. one two it's RTs per hospital whose job maybe half their workload right is making these contacts yeah i mean that's and if you think about the RT that's burnt out from yep. therapy, 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 yep. you know, hey, call Mr. Jones, see if he yeah. went to his PCP, you know, two weeks after he's discharged, yeah. see if he's having any symptoms. And even though we're not, you know, we're not nursing, they, uh, things come up like, you know, have you gained any, have you noticed any swelling? Yeah. Have you, you know, are you watching your sodium intake? We know these things. We're yeah. cardiopulmonary. We're not nursing, of course, but we're we're cardiopulmonary. We know a little bit. We know a little yeah. bit enough, and we have enough resources to say, well, so and so could call you, and you could reach out to a nurse or a yeah. a nurse manager or something. Say, hey, can you give them a call? They're having a difficult time. Um, we, we have a huge part to play, yeah. you know, and it, it shows our like I said, our readmission rates went down. Um, they did so because of Patty Gilpin. COPD. Captain <laughs> the COPD Foundation. Would you stop? Oh my God. He's had too much wine. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we did, we, we we did good, good so far. Yeah, we did good. Yeah, we done good. Um, yeah, uh, friends of mine that are nurses. I'm, there's uh, one hospital that has lung transplant coordinators that mm-hmm. have pulmonary coordinators, and they require BSN. 
and it'll be in an office with art with nurses that I know, and I'd be like, "Oh, you have this position open. Why wouldn't you hire a respiratory therapist?" Right. And they've yeah. all said, "Oh, we totally would." Oh yeah. And then you say, "But the job requirement says BSN." Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> no, respiratory I, should definitely be that. Oh yeah. And it's and so that's another thing too. And I think you know if you go to any recent conference or you've heard me apply for those jobs. Yeah. Even if it says BSN, mm-hmm. if you have your re- bachelor's degree, right, and you're registered, yeah, and you have an asthma educator certification, and I'm studying ACCS, for that too. Yeah, right? yeah. Any, I mean, if you have some alphabet soup after your name, that does exactly. kind of show like I know what I'm saying. That mm-hmm. um, I'm in there too. Yeah, you know. I think what is the and value I, of what is the value of a bachelor's degree, or what is the value of a advanced credential? It's going to get you an interview. Right, right. It's and, gonna, you know, it's sad to say <laughs> that that's how it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm putting myself through all sorts of academic cruelty. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's also going to open doors. Right. Maybe I don't even want those doors open. But mm-hmm. it, it's going to buy me an interview. Right. And even uh, right now, I can't. it's hard for me to justify a master's. I'd love to do it. It's, it's yeah. The money's hard. But um, let your hospital pay for it. <laughs> I've looked into that. We yeah. just talked about it. <laughs> but so, but that doesn't yeah. prevent me that I can do the the asthma educator. So yeah. I'm looking into that and, and oh. some other. Um, Christy Kane talked. I mean, it's yeah. Under, should have done that a long time ago. As far as Kentucky goes, I think she said under fifty. Oh, not under fifty people have the right advanced, uh, the asthma educator certification in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about it. Kentucky's number one. Um, and then of those less than fifty, less than half are respiratory therapists. You're kidding? No. Wow. Yeah. Shame on us. Right. <laughs> I mean, it costs a, a little bit, but it's not not costs you know, a little bit. Little. I would imagine that's an advanced credential that you could probably get reimbursed from your from your employer. Yeah, I know there's a couple of hospitals here that would. Mm-hmm. Once you pass, they'll totally reimburse you. Mm-hmm. Um, but and that is a good. That's oh, a credential yeah. that it's if you want to get into public health, if you want to get a job you know, with the city, as far as right. health services go, I mean, that is a great... There are only positives from yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, that's a great... And I think back to what you said, I think nursing nursing appreciates us for what we do. And I yeah. think they, they understand, and and um, that, but a lot of organizations are nurse-centric. You know, they want to yeah. say that's what I mean, they think about. And so. Healthcare as an entity is built around nursing. Of course. Nursing. Understandably as should, so. As yeah, it should. Understandably um, so. Yeah. Um, but that's when we need to, you know, at least try, yeah. <laughs> at least try to have yeah. our voices. At least I think it's that willingness to, I think, and another thing I feel like, and you might, uh, agree or not, but there's RTs who say, why don't we don't do it? Um, if the hospital wants us to do more, they need to pay us more. Yeah. And then the hospital is saying, do more and then we'll pay you right. more. Mm-hmm. Well, no, pay us more. And then we'll do more, mm-hmm. and it's just back and forth. Yeah, and so you just kind of, and then, I mean, and it's not all RTs, but there's always a couple in, mm-hmm. in every department. Yeah. Uh, as I, I travel around, you know, from each facility, but it's no, we need. I, I guess I'm of the opinion of let's show our value exactly, and then yeah. come to the negotiation I, table. I, I would agree with you. you know, yeah, I would agree. Instead with you. of well, no, pay me, and I'll show you what I can exactly. do. Exactly, uh, you're gonna because uh, they're the ones with the checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's part of the problem. <laughs> but yeah, I know with all the COP stuff I took on, there, at one time it was fifty percent of my work day. It yeah. really was, and it wasn't my job description. It wasn't a formal job description that would, 
you know, behoove me in any way. Yeah. And it wasn't um, anything I got reimbursed for, um, but complete satisfaction on doing that. Yeah. I knew that eventually that would be a good thing for me to ha- to be able to do because it, I was getting burnt out. And so, yeah. you know, that only leads to better things. It's, the answer is not always right in front of you. Sometimes right. it's a few years down the road. So, yeah, you got to keep that in mind. Yeah. So I... I think definitely good advice. You know, if you are established in the hospital and you're getting a little burnt out, sit on the committee, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of making yourself available. Oh yeah. And I think that's going to open door like volunteering for me. I think we have, since I've started my faculty position, I think there's two clinical sites that we've started going to Mm -hmm. because of connections made networking from volunteering. Yeah. I mean, Hey, why don't you come to our site? I That's don't know. great. I'll be at your office Monday. See, you know, yeah. and, you mean, never so there's know. just a lot of uh, job opportunities, right? That you know, if I'm a leader and I see a you know, not to dem- you know, a quote staff RT uh, volunteering, and I'm a leader at another hospital. Oh wow! Oh, you're st- okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then when I have a position, you know, when uh, educator or whatever position comes up. I might remember that. Person, exactly. You know? so, That'd I mean, be very just, good for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the networking your... potential for RTs, you know, when they go out, you know, you sign up for events is mm-hmm. there's a, is a lot of, a lot of opportunities. Oh, definitely. Like, so only good things can right. really happen. Yeah. You know, so. and also on the little obscure committees, like um, I was on ethics, patient safety, things like that. It's just kind of good. Oh, respiratory. Yeah. It just puts yeah. our name out there. Even if we m- might not have a lot to. Yeah contribute although i think we do but let's yeah. say we don't say a lot during these meetings or something they know we're there and yeah. we, we're a department that needs to be recognized and if you're on an infection control uh committee and an infection control position mm-hmm. pops up you yeah. are i mean exactly. there's a there's a, so yeah so definitely i think there's a lot that we can do if there's a shared governance mm-hmm. at your hospital or a clinical ladder you oh, know, i think yeah. that there's a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. that people yeah. can have agreed all right. Any other last words? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Go cards. Go cards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where do you, all right, here, oh, here's a question. One last question. Uh, where do you see our, our profession trending or going in the next 10 years? Oh gosh. How much time do you have? We've got <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> I see, uh, Wellness and prevention is a huge, as you, I'm sure you agree. Um, We need like the RT navigator. What a huge, important role, a COPD navigator. Um, Like I said before, in conjunction with the discharge planning, my perfect scenario I always thought would be to have a patient come visit me or me come visit them individually before they leave. So I could go over their respiratory medications, go over how they use their inhaler, uh, set up a follow-up call, yeah. make a, do you have a pulmonologist, and blah, blah, blah. So I think that's huge. I think our, well, medical, it's going that way anyway. We're going toward prevention. And um, I'm on a task force now that has to do with getting spirometry. <laughs> yeah, I know, Another number committee. 18 or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really is exciting. We yeah. have we are they're trialing spirometry out in the um, 
the uh, primary care offices. Because if you, I don't know if you noticed, but when the patient comes in the hospital, a lot of times they have an inhaler with no aerial chamber. They right. have never had a PFT and they're diagnosed with COPD. Um, so we're trialing doing spirometries in every, on all of these patients that exhibit some, some symptoms um, and what influence that'll have down the road instead of uh, our pulmonologist seeing a patient when they're in stage COPD. We want to catch yeah. these people when they're I'm um, kind of short of breath and I've been smoking for five years. You yeah. know, we want to catch them then. Yeah. So um, that's huge, you know. So I think healthcare is is headed that way. And I think we have a huge role to play in that uh, yeah. prevention, our knowledge. Uh, and also just the advancement, I guess, maybe the recognition of our I think it's increasing. I don't know if I'm so wrong too. about that, but yeah. I think, I think, I think it's, I think we're in good forward trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exciting. That's just yeah. very exciting. Yeah. And it, how exciting for you to, you know, have students to. Yeah. I mean, they're. Tell this to. They're. I mean, not that we're like old and retiring in the next two years, but they're, they're career in 20 years is going to be absolutely different than what oh, it is today. Yeah, definitely. I, I still have my textbooks. <laughs> I had my textbooks <laughs> from 2000, 2001, mm -hmm. 2002. And I mean, they're black and white pictures <laughs> and it's the 900 C right. and the, the idea of yeah. waveforms, you know, idea of waveforms is something, you know, back then that was like totally, <laughs> uh, yeah, totally absurd. Term. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, so I think just in our short careers, you know, 2002, 2004, uh, in that area, the, what we've seen from then to now is oh, just yeah. leaps and bounds, uh, way more progressive. You're right. So what yeah. students are going to be seeing in 20 years mm -hmm. is, yeah. Exciting. Yeah. I, don't even, I mean, if I'm still teaching in 20 years, I'm going to be teaching <laughs> hundred, you know, mm -hmm. there'll still be two lungs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, so, yeah. Uh, maybe we might discover, uh, we might, uh, maybe That'd we'll be awesome discover to have a third one. one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I think, uh, and I, I totally agree with you that it's going to be prevention. Yeah. I, think I think you'll think, have a lot more classes and that kind of education kind of thing yeah. to the patient. And, and I think we're going to see, my personal take is, we're going to see respiratory go into two routes. You're either going to be that advanced therapist, mm -hmm. right? Uh, your organization has an advanced therapist that intubates, A-lines, does that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see that APRT, that formal, mm -hmm. uh, That'd be nice. that grad, you know, graduate position, the advanced practice respiratory therapist who can bill CMS, who can write orders, mm -hmm. do all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like the APRN equivalent or PA equivalent. Yeah. So I think we're going to see advanced clinicians. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to, so you're either going to go that route or you're going to go the education route. Right. I yeah. think it's the, you know, like I said, just the, the, the education, the teaching, the disease management, mm -hmm. I think is going to be, yeah, exactly. there's going to be a big push for that. There is, I think there yeah. is now, and I think that's going to get yeah. better as well. And it's slowly... Coming mm -hmm. across the country, yep. you know, I think there were some in California, uh, you know, 
in the typical states that get things first, yeah. <laughs> but it's working yeah. its way inward. Yep. So right, we're always yeah. yeah we're the last, <laughs> even though we are number one. Hey, we're number one. We're but number one, we're and we're also the last. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got a lot of work to do. We yes. can change that around. So yeah, reaching out and encouraging colleagues to just get involved. You know, oh, yeah. Commit to volunteering once a year. Right. Yeah. One event a year. And yeah. then you're going to like it. Keep it fresh. And then do another one. So two, two a year. Yeah. Do a summer, do a winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I think that, I think, uh, uh, just getting involved, volunteering, mm-hmm. keep pursuing education. Education like is big. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thanks Advocate. for, thanks for, uh, carving, uh, some time out of well, your, thank you. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thank your, your agent and manager for, <laughs> Getting a state yeah, captain gotta, of the it, COPD Foundation. Would you stop? I'm going to fit you into my schedule. Yes. Well, <laughs> no, thank you. It's fun. Yes, yeah, it's fun. Definitely appreciate like it. Like the wine. And thanks to everyone out there listening. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Oh, thank you.